0: Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the
1: answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free.
2: Well, welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show, and this is an ethereous podcast. We're also syndicated, I'm very pleased to say, on radio networks, including Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, WTRM, the Trim Radio Network, Transformation Talk Radio, home of the Dr Pat Show, and Oneness Talk Radio. And today we're carrying on with our examination of the fourth freedom of the roadmap to enlightenment. Last time we looked at the physical and mental roadmap. Today we're looking at the psychic and intuitive roadmap to enlightenment. And I'm delighted to say we're joined by two guests, one of whom I have to say I know extremely well because uh, she's my wife, and that's Alison Lawrence, and she will be guiding us in our presentation. But earlier than that, we'll be hearing from a new guest to the Spiritual Freedom Show, and that's Yomi Odeguwa will be sharing with us his moment of truth. Well, I have to say that uh, today's show is right up my street. I feel like a round peg in a round hole on this one. Uh, It's the psychic and intuitive roadmap to enlightenment. It's uh, really exciting, but as regular listeners know, we have the tremendous honor on the Spiritual Freedom Show uh, with the permission, for which we're very grateful, of the international directors of the Etheria Society to actually play extracts from the Nine Freedoms. We regard here the Nine Freedoms as the greatest teaching, not the only, far from the only, but the greatest teaching or set of teachings uh, in these days, and we are honoured to examine it. We can do it in a way which I don't think has been done before in this, in a regular series anyway, by taking short extracts, not the whole of a freedom, but looking at the many pearls contained within just a few sentences, sometimes just within one very short sentence, because that's one of the hallmarks of Mars Sector 6, who delivered these through Dr. George King. In fact, it's a hallmark of Dr. King too, but particularly of Mars Sector 6, to say great truths in just a few short words, and in fact, to make it as easily understandable as possible. So in just a few words, you get levels and layers of meanings. And our job on the Spiritual Freedom Show is to try and look into and penetrate and understand those layers of meaning. So let's start right away then. And I want to say, of course, as always, We want to thank our producer, Darren Ball, because he really is the power behind this show in so many ways. He organises it all and invites our guests and sets the show up and appears on the show every time. So I'm going to ask you, Darren, if we can start straight in with our first extract. And this is the psychic, or part of anyway, the psychic roadmap to enlightenment, we've called it. So extract number one, please
3: a psychic a man a can a so a control a his subtle universal a life of a forces a that he can bring about strict a mental a control By so doing, uh, he is capable of concentration. He can, at this stage, uh, so enhance uh, his concentrative abilities that he is capable of a contemplation with open minded diligence, which will bring about a greater awareness, a greater understanding, and which will begin to open the door of
2: enlightenment. Three sentences there, and there is so very, very much in them. And what I think is an absolute theme of all the Spiritual Freedom Shows, but in particular last time and this time, is the massive change in approach to the journey to enlightenment, a massive shift. Uh, We learned last time about the mental roadmap, and we saw that instead of detachment, which would have been taught for a very good reason in the past, if you detach from all mind, what do you have? You have spirit. That was the aim. If you look at the aphorisms of Patanjali, you could strip them away, and you'd find at the root, that is what is there. Uh, the idea of completely controlling, of even of subduing uh, or even of negating. you find it in other traditions too. you find it in the Vedas, you find it in the Tibetan tradition. you find it in all those ancient paths which led to true enlightenment. I don't mean which led to gaining psychic powers and led to gaining certain experiences and abilities and realizations as I say, which we say uh, a clairvoyant level. Or something like or an even at a basic intuitive level. But when they were leading to high levels of intuition and ultimately samadhi, as it's called in Sanskrit, the deepest state of meditation, except one, and the one being cosmic consciousness, the fifth freedom, then you did have this detachment, this negation, this subduing. This, even in certain cases, suppressing of mental impulses. Why? So that the spirit could come through. There's a massive change, and we see it now, and it's all because of one thing. It's all because of one word, and that word is service. Service comes first. You know, the greatest motive for enlightenment would be to serve more. Because the more enlightened you are, the better the more effective, by a long chalk, will be your service. You'll have better concentration, all work, and let's face it, service is work. It's work. Uh, and, And it's work for others, but it's still work. And that is enhanced dramatically by your powers of concentration. It's enhanced dramatically by your intuition, by your psychic ability, because that gives you better judgment, by your creative visualization, because that gives you better ideas. And all these are the product of enlightenment, providing providing that service is being done, or rather that work is being done in service, and not for selfish reasons. Won't necessarily work, if it's used in a selfish way, beyond a certain stage anyway could even work against you. But if it's being used to serve others, then, of course, enlightenment goes hand in hand. And there are some people in the New Age fields who, who feel they've, they've sacrificed enlightenment. They've given up on this in order to serve, in order to help others. Not necessary, my friends. Not necessary, not even helpful. Yes, we have to cut back sometimes on our own development. Yes, we will. We'll have to sacrifice some of that to help others, but that in its very nature will help us in our advancement too and give us a very stable advancement and will help to lead towards enlightenment. So it's all one. Now looking at what we've just heard here, a psychic man, and I've said before that of course these transmissions were delivered at a different era, different time, it's 60 years ago, psychic man was not the male gender, it was all people. And that's what that phrase was used to mean in those days. So psychic man can so control his subtle universal life forces that he can bring about strict mental control. By the way, we've talked before on the Spiritual Freedom Show about healing. I just want to throw that in. Uh, We're not covering the full references to psychic man in the fourth freedom, uh, but uh, that's uh, regarded by... Uh, mars sector six as the best way to relieve ourselves of psychic frustration by the way the giving of healing and i can't think of a finer psychic practice and he does imply at least that it's a psychic practice giving healing than that but here we're talking about strict mental control another key word that comes out Uh, over and over again. Another one which we focused on last time was the word transmute, transmutation. Instead of detachment, it's transmutation, raising all energies up to a higher level, not leaving them there and just detaching from them, but raising them, transmuting them. And we have a recurring theme here. In the past ages, certain schools of yoga and mysticism actually discouraged psychic development, by the way. They were taught, students in those schools, to detach from all things st- psychic. That didn't stop them, by the way, from having psychic experiences, uh, but they were taught to detach from them, not to do to, to use them as now would be the, as it were, order of the day, namely to use those psychic abilities that you have in service and detach from the rest but just to detach from it as a thing. They did have psychic experiences, and they regarded them in the past as signs along the way. And by the way, if you are an enlightened person, you have had psychic experiences, not you might have had. You will have actually, I'll go further, you will have psychic abilities. And anyone who calls himself, and I can think of one very famous person who does call himself enlightened, who hasn't had those or says they haven't had those, then they aren't truly enlightened. They may have reached a good state of peace, uh, of uh, a certain balance uh, that that helps them to deal with their life in a good way, and they may have uh, very good qualities, but that's not true enlightenment because psychic experiences will come along. As Dr. King told a disciple of the yogi, Dr. Shastri, who was teaching in London, and this is before the command of 1954, before he started his main mission, he said to them, How can you detach from clairvoyant powers if you've never experienced them? And Dr. Shastri did agree with him on this point. But the Master Saint Guling said, We should develop psychic abilities and then reject all of them except those which can be used in service. And many of them can, healing counseling, guidance, uh, and a whole variety of projects where these things can help. And if they can help in service, then use them. But they need to be controlled. And this is a word you'll find a lot in the fourth freedom. It appears twice in that extract we've just had. Psychic man needs to control the pranas, the energies, Flowing within his auric structure through the psychic centers or chakras, through the Nardic system or the psychic nervous system to bring about mental control, not control over others, I want to stress that, but control of oneself. And only then is he really capable of concentration. It's not a very glamorous word, concentration, but boy, is it important. It's the absolute bedrock, the bedrock of the roadmap to enlightenment. Without it, enlightenment isn't possible. Even samadhi, the highest stage of meditation, is really, we are told, an unbroken state of concentration. Enhanced, yes. Elevated, yes, but unbroken. Now, I've taught psychic development very extensively. I've met many psychics, and over and over again, I have seen them being limited by their lack of ability to to concentrate, and I would say that the breathing exercises published in Realize You're in the Potential, and some of them are in Contact Your Higher Self through yoga. Uh, Some of us do those every day. They enable us to control our universal life forces, and thereby to concentrate. There are people of great knowledge, intellectual accomplishment, academic attainment, who don't always have very good concentration. That might surprise you, but it's true. You have your archetypal absent-minded professor. He knows a lot, uh, but he doesn't. And then you move to the next stage. As Mars Sector 6 tells us, he's then capable of enhancing his concentrative abilities and he's capable of contemplation with open-minded diligence, which will bring about a greater awareness And now this is very, very important and often missed, a greater understanding and which will begin to open the door of enlightenment. There you have it. There you have it. The door of enlightenment starts to open at the contemplation stage, before even what is described in this text as the meditation stage. The door starts to open through this contemplation. And you can do no better than going to the lecture by Dr. King, and I thoroughly recommend it. It's called Concentration, Contemplation, Meditation. It is available at ethereus.org. Uh, I, I can't really recommend And I, I'm a fan of a number of yogis, including Swami Sivananda, Swami Vivekananda, Paramanza Yogananda, But I don't think you will find find a a better description of this than you'll find in that lecture, and particularly in relation to contemplation. People are using contemplation, and you know what they do? I think they block it off because they don't believe in it. So people will concentrate intensively. If they're more of a materialistic inclination, they'll start to get impressions it, psychic impressions maybe even about their work and, and dr king gives the example of a wine taster who can really hone down not just the vineyard not just the producer not just the region but even the actual um site on in which it it took place um Not you know, not they'll they'll get the exact location of the vineyard. And he's saying some of those are using contemplation, they've gone beyond concentration. But if a person believes they're prejudiced against it, they'll block it off, they'll limit, they will frustrate their psychic abilities, and they'll frustrate their development towards enlightenment. So enlightenment begins at the contemplative stage, not the meditative stage. And you need to unlock your psychic powers, but not for their own sake, but as part of the journey. You don't need to do what I, for example, have done, become psychic consultant and develop various clairvoyance, channeling, uh, scrying, and so on. You don't need to do all those things. But you do need in one way or another to open that door, and it'll move on to a higher stage still. Healing, I would say is an essential ability in one way or another for all of those traveling on the road to enlightenment. In these days, I I would say that's a pretty dogmatic thing, but I think it could be said about healing. But we certainly shouldn't get stuck at at the psychic stage, as a lot of people do and progress no further. It's part of the journey. It's on the roadmap. It's a result of moving from the stage of concentration to the higher stage of contemplation, which begins to open the door of enlightenment. So we'll come to further study of this roadmap in a moment. But at this point, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show, Yomi Odeguwa. And he's our first guest today. He hails from Nigeria. He now lives in London with his wife and two children. A lovely family he has, I must say. I've had the pleasure to meet them. Both he and his wife are members of the Ethereum Society, which he discovered in 2003 while living in Nigeria. The Ethereum Society is very active in Nigeria. I've had the pleasure to travel there, the privilege to meet wonderful uh, staff and members of the Ethereum Society there. Yomi has been an active preacher, speaking at churches, festivals, on Faith TV in London. Between 2011 and 2014, before choosing to become a member of the Ethereum site in 2015. Today, he's going to be sharing with us one or two experiences from his mystical journey so far. Welcome, Yomi.
0: Thank you, Richard. And thanks for having me. And uh, thank you, you, Darren, for for encouraging (laughs) encouraging me to do this. I was initially hesitant. But he gave me a gentle push. So, uh, basically, I I would say my moment of truth is not um, restricted to one particular experience, but uh, I would say it's it consists of uh, several personal experiences which I believe were arranged by the powers that be to uh, encourage me in my studies and to prove, in a logical manner, to me that uh, these teachings are true they are real and not the product of uh, someone's fertile imagination so i will go on uh, several months ago i was at home doing the practice of the presence and uh, after some time i started feeling the energy generated by the practice i must have done something very well on that day because the energy was so much so i decided to eventually i wanted to go to the bathroom from my living room where I was doing the practice. Uh, And to get to the bathroom, I had to pass through a narrow corridor. That corridor was lit up by, uh, had two light bulbs, but one of the bulbs was dead. The two were controlled by one switch, but one was dead. If I may use that, the English, fidu with the English language, I would say the dead bulb was very dead. It had been dead for for weeks, but the other one was on. So we just, the switch was on, but just one bulb was on. So when I got to the bathroom uh, to open the door, as I uh, attempted to open the door of the bathroom, it so happened that my head was directly under the 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 bulb that was dead directly under it, my head wasn't touching it. I was a good 10, 12 inches beneath the light bulb, so there was no physical contact whatsoever. But in those few seconds, just to open the bathroom door, the the dead bulb came alive. It lit up. It virtually received a new lease of life, and it was on for several weeks before it it went uh, out eventually. So basically, the energy generated from the practice somehow lit up that bulb. Uh, the second uh, one happened in 2015. When I had a meeting, uh, a chat with with Richard in his office, uh, before I s- go to what happened uh, during my chat with Richard, I need to go back a bit. Prior to that time, I'd, I've had itchy eyes. Uh, my eyes will get... V- I, they felt very itchy. I would scratch and scratch and scratch and they would become red and swollen. So I'd used all sorts of eye drops, eye whiteners, um, antibiotics prescribed by experts to no avail. So I just learned to live, to endure it. Uh, it had been in that condition since the early 90s. So in 2015, I happened to have an appointment with Richard. I went to his office uh, it was like a question-answer session. I asked him a lot of questions about the teachings, which he was gracious to answer. After about 30 minutes, I got up to leave, and he asked me, uh, would you like to visit the Master's Shrine? And I said, yes, of course. So I went up uh, to the Master's Shrine. I was there for a few minutes. I chanted a few mantras. I didn't know what to do, and, but something nudged me. I should ask for something. I don't know what to ask for. So I visualized the Master to the best of my ability and mentally told him to help me in my spiritual studies in any way that he deems fit. After that, I left. I went home. Uh, I went to my bedroom and just relaxed on the bed. I didn't fall asleep, but I was just uh, in a kind of borderline state when I I now felt a gentle breeze inside, internally, beneath my eyes. And before I I was wondering what's going on, the breeze blew out about seven or eight needles out of my eyes. They, land, they landed on the bedsheet. So I got up because I wasn't sleeping. And I looked on the bed sheet, but I didn't really see anything. I, I believe I wouldn't see anything because that must have happened at a subtle level. But to cut short a long story, from that day, the itchy, scratchy eyes that had used all sorts of eye drops and antibiotics, it stopped. It's never, there's not been a relapse. It's never happened again since 2015 to now it's about six years it's never happened again so i I, I, I hope uh, uh, someone gets encouraged by this and the diehard skeptics will have a rethink that these teachings and practices are real thank you very much
2: well that's incredible yomi thank you so much for sharing that moment of truth with us gosh that's interesting thanks very much then to yomi <laughs> thank-, thank you for appearing you. on the program
0: <laughs> thank you
2: Darren, are you there, sir? I am. Thanks um, what so much a very th- and thanks for joining, and thanks for running our show for us, Darren. But what <laughs> an amazing story from Yomi there! And you know, I didn't know what he was going to say. Let me explain to listeners, by the way, the Master Shrine is a room at Etheria's house in London, and it was the bedroom of Doctor George King whenever he visited here and stayed here, which he did regularly uh, in in uh, for the, in the sixties, seventies, eighties. Certainly, the seventies and eighties. Um, and we've kept it now as a shrine with some of his things there and various holy articles there, and that's what Yomi was referring to that when he did the mantra and had that experience. So that was a, an MOT to remember, as we'd like to call it on the show—an MOT, a moment of truth. Don't you think, Darren?
4: Yeah, I certainly one to remember. Actually, Yomi said that when I was chatting to him the other day. So oh, I'm going to—I'm going to surprise you with one on the show. So I said, okay, I'll—I'll I'll, I'll let you do that. That was so a that- surprise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Certainly was. I think also it's kind of testimony to the uh, connection you can make with a master. And, Absolutely. Uh, and Absolutely. Uh, the the amazing kind of like miracle that that can be in your life. Well, that's Dr. It. George
2: King, of course, for for people who aren't aware, who we're talking about, who was the channel for the Nine Freedoms. And do write in to us and send us though, your experiences and share them with us, but more importantly, with our, our listeners. And I think you have some of those, do you not, Darren?
4: Definitely. So... um I thought I'd share a couple here, actually, that I've got. Mm. Uh, The first one is interesting in that um, it's from someone who lives uh, quite close to headquarters. They start in London, that is. And they say, I live up the road from your headquarters in Fulham and have for many years felt very out of place everywhere I've been. I'm looking for enlightenment. These are confusing times. And for years, I've tried everything from yoga to meditation to Qigong in an attempt to find some sense of awakening. I'm also looking to be my best self. Along with feeling like there's something not right in the world, I fear there's something not right in me. It's difficult to place or articulate, though. But a selection of poor decisions versus professional person have led me to this point in my life. I could never stand the idea of a nine-to-five lifestyle. I felt school was simply grooming me for a life of unfulfilling work. I've often worked in theater in the past and and other things. And these days I work online from home on sports or sporting, but I know there is so much more to life and that feeling has led me here now spiritual truth is the most important thing to me in these days and I'm trying to seek it but admittedly need some guidance so gosh that's I think a post, yeah very honest one as well i think I was going to
2: say that's what i just mm-hmm. wrote down there very honest mm-hmm. so we're on the same page there and uh, i think that's there's there's a key there and if you leave yourself open of course you'll get the answers to you're looking for if you knock hard enough on the door it will be open to you that's a promise made by the master jesus and i'm sure it applies across the board so very interesting indeed and i love the fact that spiritual truth comes first in the
4: order there darren yeah absolutely i think think for me when i read that and i reflect back just what you were saying you know this episode and the last one really highlight this massive shift in the approach to enlightenment the Master sector six described absolutely described massive us, but, yeah yeah and i think you know we, that's, you know that's the way to greater freedom, which is what we're all about on the show. And I think how inspiring that you know we've been told how we can open that door to enlightenment, which is what this person is looking for.
2: Indeed. Thank you, Darren. And we're coming back to you later in the show with more uh, questions and comments from our listeners. But in the meantime, let's carry on with that uh, roadmap to enlightenment. And we've now moved from the psychic roadmap. So we've done the physical, the mental, the psychic. And now we're moving to the intuitive roadmap to enlightenment, and I'd ask you, please, Darren, would you play the next extract from The Fourth Freedom by Mars Sector 6?
3: The next essential step he can then take is the a transmutation of mental energies upon the plane of inspiration called high intuition. This is brought about by strict control and the manipulation of the individual's karmic pattern through service and so on. At this stage, he is then capable of a meditation. Through such a meditation, the aspirant opens the door even wider so that the brilliant everlasting a vibration of enlightenment a may forever
2: a surround a him. And so now we've booed, we've, we've gone through concentration, contemplation, meditation. And might I just say that while you're concentrating, you're fully concentrating, and then you enhance it. With your contemplation, but you still need your powers of concentration, and then you move to yet another stage, which is the meditation stage, but you will still need your powers of concentration and contemplation. it's not like you just stop one and then you do the next. They one leads as a in a pure, unbroken thread, really, on to the next stage in our development and this is a massive stage we 're moving from the psychic stage to the intuitive stage it 's an absolutely crucial. Transition. Psychic abilities can help. They can be used for good. They can, I'm sorry to say, also be used for harm. But the intuition is always good. It's always right. It's our connection to our higher self. So it must be right. We can get it wrong. We sometimes don't quite get it. But it, if we do get it, it, we can bet on it. You can have all the psychic abilities in the world, but unless you know how to interpret them, They won't help you much. In fact, they could even mislead you. But the intuition, the still, small voice, as they used to call it, within, this will guide you to interpret your psychic abilities and everything else because you're now moving beyond the psychic stage. You've left that behind. You can retain certain psychic abilities which are useful to your work and only for the purpose of service, but you're now moving beyond contemplation, as I said, and towards meditation. And in the old yogas, this is very interesting, to me at least, the final three steps to enlightenment in the eight limbs of yoga were dharana, D-H-A-R-A-N-A, that's the Sanskrit word for concentration, dhyana, D-H-Y-A-N-A, that's the Sanskrit word for meditation, and samadhi. Have you noticed an enormous change here? that meditation is now moved to the third stage and another stage contemplation is brought in. So the three steps now are not dharana, dhyana, samadhi, concentration, uh, uh, meditation, samadhi. They are now concentration, contemplation, meditation. And you could say that contemplation, as defined by Mars Sector 6, as I say, brilliantly explained by Dr. King in his lecture, concentration, contemplation, meditation, you could say it's replaced the meditation stage, that Diana stage. Why? Why this change? Because of service. We keep coming back to service, and we should keep coming back to service. Now that stage is manifested through service, not through the inner meditative Path. I would like to quote from the Master Etherius again uh, in his transmission from free will to freedom. That, you know, Master Etherius, tremendous master of understatement, uh, described as such by Mars Sector 6, as the greatest master of understatement, uh, gives teachings in a, in a different manner, a very, very more wordy manner, but a very personable manner, and he's told you some of the greatest truths you've heard in your life as though he was talking to you over a cup of tea. Uh, But this is one statement from the Master of Theorists. A thousand years ago, it was meditation in the silence. Today, it is service in the clutter, service in the foulness, in the smell, in the ignorance of mankind. Today, concentration and contemplation are best performed in service. They are performed in your spiritual practices as well and they should be, but they are best and most performed through service. And no longer is contemplation limited to a meditative environment. It might be a most ugly environment, as the master theory has said there. And there comes a time, though, when you need to go to meditation for very practical reasons, actually. I mean, you simply it would be dangerous to be raising the kundalini above a certain psychic centers, possibly above certainly above the solar plexus center, and and if you're able to above the heart center, if you weren't then in a meditative state. But the priority, as I said earlier now, until that stage is to work. And Mars Sector 6 describes this process of moving to that next stage, the meditation stage, in some words which, as far as I'm concerned, are relevant, extremely relevant, to certainly to people like me anyway, and hopefully to you too. And he says this, the next essential step he can then take is the transmutation of mental energies upon the plane of inspiration called high intuition. Now there, I think in that one sentence, here's another example, you have it all. And you have that word again, transmutation, which underwrites in a way the whole new age uh, approach Uh, The individual is inspired, but even that inspiration is being transmuted through high intuition. Uh, They haven't got stuck at the the psychic stage or even the inspiration stage. It's being transmuted upon a plane not of basic intuition, a plane called high intuition. And Mars Sector 6 goes on and tells us exactly how to do that. And he gives us three simple Keys And I'm going to repeat those three keys. They're in the text we just heard, but let me make it as simple as possible by enumerating them as three things. Number one, strict control. And I, I would take that to mean control over all the energies, all behavior, including all basic behavior, and all elevated behavior. Strict control over oneself. That's a, a common theme in this Journey to enlightenment. Number one, strict control. Number two, the manipulation of the individual's karmic pattern through service. I think we can all understand that. I think we are familiar with that concept. It changes our karma. What goes around comes around. Every time we help another, even though we're not doing it for that reason, we must help ourselves. So that's also part of this transmutation process and bringing that about. And then there's number three, and I say this quite seriously because I think these words do matter. They're three words, and so on. And I don't think he'd have said them if they didn't need to be said because Mars Sector 6 doesn't do that. At the same time, whatever it is he's referring to isn't important or significant enough to be identified specifically, so it could be a whole... Bunch of things, depending on the individual, that actually need to be done. And it really includes anything else other than those two things of strict control and manipulation of the individual's karmic pattern through service. I mean, it might be something as simple as eating the right food. I mean, it just, or it could be something very different. But whatever it is, that and so on is not quite an afterthought, but it's just. Thrown in there now. At this stage, now I'm now quoting from Mars six again. After this transmutation of mental energies upon the plane of inspiration, called high intuition, that means let's let's note that you've got to be inspired to even be able to transmute those energies <laughs> on that plane. You've got to have reached that plane, uh, which is called high intuition. Uh, but then you bring about the transmutation at that plane. Uh, and in from a sort of chakra point of view, it means raising your energies to a higher chakra. And the goal of most of these teachings is to aim towards the third eye or the Christ center. That's all uh, linked. It's not specified in this transmission by Mars Sector 6, but there it's a parallel. If you like, it's a mechanical explanation of the process at work. At this stage, he's then capable of meditation through such meditation, the aspiration, aspirant opens the door even wider. Remember, the door was opened at the contemplation stage. But now, the meditation stage, the aspirant opens the door even wider so that the brilliant, everlasting vibration of enlightenment may forever surround him. And there's a big point there, a very, very big point there. Doing Having an experience like this isn't like having a material experience, which can be enjoyable and a certain amount of enjoyment in the right way for the right reason may well be necessary and isn't necessarily wrong. It would have been regarded as wrong at one time. It all depends what it's part of, if it's necessary for an individual in their work of service that's a different thing in this day and age, and it may be fine. But if it's a material type of experience, it's a fleeting one. But where you have a spiritual experience, it lasts. It is a lasting one. As it says here, the brilliant everlasting vibration of enlightenment may forever surround him. And uh, this really reminds me of uh, a statement that, that was made by the Master Jesus uh that uh may we never again this isn't the exact quote but it's in a prayer called the new lord's prayer wonderful prayer by the way which you'll find in realize you're in the potential and you'll find it i'm sure through our websites and he gives the aspiration in this prayer to never again turn from our from our inner vision of god he's, he's praying to god and says of of you so of god And that's, again, I don't think it means that we'll be permanently forever immobile in a state of meditation, but it does mean that we have this surrounding vibration with us forever. And that's a very big difference in the spiritual journey. It isn't transitory spiritual experience. It isn't just for the moment. It's in the moment, and that moment is with us forever. We can draw on it. We can gain strength from it and inspiration from it always. And so I think that's one of the great things that we are are working towards to be surrounded by the brilliant, everlasting vibration of enlightenment. Um, I think we've touched on some of the main points here, certainly not all of them, but we are given a fantastic roadmap through the physical, through the mental, through the psychic, through the intuitive aspects of our being as we progress towards enlightenment. And by the way, in The Nine Freedoms, you've got a description of meditation, which is so high. It's the highest I've ever seen. It's it's samadhi. Uh, It's because Dr. King was such a, 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 a competent, that's probably the wrong word, but such a master of mastery, really, And it's something I think there's probably very few people on Earth, if that, who would be capable of that state on the physical plane, uh, who aren't ascended. But it is a a signpost for us to work towards. But we're getting here a a flow, I think, towards that state where we're moving from contemplation. And we are starting at the meditative stage in the way that Mars Sector 6 describes it, and I repeat again, through the transmutation of mental energies upon the plane of inspiration called high intuition. Well, that completes that study for the moment of the fourth freedom. But I'm very pleased indeed to welcome now our next guest back to the show. Uh, That is Alison Lawrence, my wife. She's a bishop in her own right. She's presided over hundreds of services, given many lectures and workshops in countries around the world. And today she's going to be leading our practice segment again, and this time sharing with us an advanced practice given by the Master Etherius, And I will leave you now in the very capable hands of Alison Lawrence. Welcome, Alison.
1: Well, thank you very much for that introduction. Anyway, it's my pleasure now to guide you through a practice which is a very advanced. It's a very ancient practice which the Master Etherius actually gave in front of a public audience in London, on January 12, 1957, while Dr. George King was in samadhic trance. Now, this practice normally would have been by initiation only, and hundreds of years ago, aspirants and yogis might well have travelled across the Himalayas to be at the feet of a master who might then give this to them. But these are the days when the pearls are cast before the public and literally laid at our feet. And Dr. George King is in a position to give out ancient yogic mystic practices because he is himself a master of yoga in the fullest sense. Now, this particular visualization is used in conjunction with one of the breathing exercises And these, as Richard was saying, have been published in the book, Realize Your Inner Potential. And this is one of the best comprehensive handbooks for the modern mystic and covers a whole spectrum of different practices to help us in these days. However, we discovered this particular visualization was given publicly. And that's why we have decided to guide you in this yogic practice as given by the Master Ethereus himself. So let us start by preparing ourselves. Sit up straight with the hands on the knees face downwards and close the eyes. Become still and start breathing deeply and evenly, drawing in the prana on the in-breath from the universal supply. And Dr. King stated, The deeper your breath, the more controlled your thoughts. And yoga, after all, is about control, is it not? And when we take these deep and even breaths, we still the mind and the nervous system. So while we become calm and just still the mind, let go of all the thoughts, and just concentrate on these words as delivered by the Master Etherius himself at the end of the transmission that was given in 1957. And he said these words. Just before I go then, dear friends, let us have silence. Now in this silence, close your eyes. And with your eyes closed, look upwards towards a spot in between your eyebrows and a little above them, the spot where the physical manifestation of the so-called third eye is. The actual eye, of course, is in the subtler bodies. Look upwards towards that spot. So let us now do this. This is the instruction. So, with the eyes closed, try and see this spot. It would be like um, a, a white light, a ball of white light. And the you know the third eye that the master Therius refers to, the Ajna center, is actually in the subtle bodies. And concentrate on this spot, this white light roughly six inches in front of the forehead. Now, this could appear to be like a pinprick of light. And this is why it is so important that we have to be able to control our thought processes. And if your mind starts to wander, bring it back to the white light. You must have no distractions. And you might see a small ball of light that disappears out of your line of vision. And this could be a reflection of the solar plexus center. But when you see this, bring it back. Try and concentrate on this white light and be calm. You have to have calm concentration. The Master Ethereus says... Open yourselves. And if you do this, you'll allow an influx of higher powers. You'll, you'll raise your consciousness. Now, when you do this on a regular basis, you may not actually see anything at first. And then you might start to see vague moving lights, but you have to keep at it. And when you are able to hold a single thought, you will start, you'll see this light. And the more you do it, the more intense this becomes. And the very fact that you will be able to see it, because that is the potential within each and every one of us, you know that you are starting to raise your consciousness. And that, of course, is our ultimate aim, is it not? Thank you.
2: Thank you very much, Alison, and thank you for sharing that with us. And may I just say, because I happen to know, that that's a practice that Alison does every day and has done for many years and something that she does know about from personal experience. So thank you, Alison Lawrence. Thank you. So we'll move on now. But just before we do move on, I would like to just say something to listeners who – Practice breathing exercises, and specifically, maybe you practice the breathing exercises in Realize Your Inner Potential and Contact Your Higher Self through Yoga. And if you do, you'll be familiar with the exercise that has just been taught. What was the revelation is that the Master Etherius would give that to a public audience in 1957 in London so readily. That's also a sign of the changing times. But what I would say is this, if you do those breathing exercises, sometimes people, there are six of them. And if you know them, if you don't, I strongly recommend them to you. I do them every day as well. Still, and I, I need to do them. It's not even that I want to do them. It, you, and there is time. It, it doesn't take that many minutes, 10, 15 minutes, depending how much time you've got. You could take eight hours, but you'd be more useful serving. But you've still got time to do something like that. If you do, though, and if you know the ones I'm talking about, sometimes people do the sixth exercise in that series of six, and they think they finished them. No. After the sixth, you have that focus, one of which is the one Alison was speaking about in that practice, and you can continue with that. And I would say this from my own experience, that you can really, really understand why it is that yogis uh, of old and aspirants of old, would spend hours and hours a day doing that practice because you don't feel you've exhausted it. In fact, the more you do it, the more you start to see, my goodness, I'm only scratching the surface here. I could really go on at this. I've got a lot to do. There is you know, an endless amount of time that could be spent, if we weren't so engaged in service, doing that one exercise. But I just draw that to your attention. If you're doing the breathings, They aren't necessarily finished when you've just completed the sixth. They can continue with the focus of concentration, uh, which you choose, uh, after that for some period of time, and that's one of them. Anyway, I want to now bring our producer back in, Darren Ball, because I know he's got some interesting questions. I don't know what they are. I never do. I ask him not to tell them until he's on the show so that it's completely spontaneous. Darren, welcome back.
4: Thanks, Richard. Yeah. And thanks so much for sharing those insights um, from both you and Alison about the, uh, the breathing practice. I'm sure that'll be helpful and inspiring to many of our listeners. Um, I'd also like to say, you know, this is one of those shows to listen to over and over, a roadmap that we can draw on, um, over the years as we go forward on the path. So incredibly valuable content that, that we've shared here today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Darren. Yeah. Just, uh, so before I go into another question, just say to everybody out there, um, thank you so much for tuning in, and supporting the show. Um, we'd love, Um, if you'd like to leave us a review on your favorite podcast app to help us get the word out about the teachings of Mars Sector 6 and the Nine Freedoms. Um, First question here, I thought I'd start with Richard, uh, just because it stood out to me, just what Alison said just there at the end about raising our consciousness. And this person says, I'm struggling a bit at the moment, and I know I need to put the effort in to raise my consciousness, especially right now. My energy seems to be drained off badly, and I get depressed no matter what state of mind I try to put myself in. Can you help, please?
2: Gosh, yes, that's, uh, that's. I mean, that could be so many different things, and I wouldn't like to sort of give, as it were, medical advice over the air if that's what this this person might need, or maybe they don't. Um, but one thing I think is, you know, to calm the mind. I think uh, just simple deep breathing can be very helpful. And some of the practices that we've done on the Spiritual Freedom Show, such as the Violet Flame practice, will cleanse the aura and tend to raise the vibration uh and tend tend to change our focus um you know it's it's i remember there's a a quote by proust and i haven't got it to hand but it's something along the lines of you know it's not a question of traveling to new vistas it's uh, traveling or seeing through new eyes and i think it's quite liberating thought that that you know, one can look at life and it can seem depressing and it can seem down. And then one can be in another state of consciousness and look at the same series of things. And it can be a challenge. And, you know, that's just a question of our inner state of being, which we can change. So I'm not being flippant here. And uh, if that person does need help of some kind, then by all means, seek it. But certainly healing will help. And certainly simple practice, I would say, Darren, wouldn't you like the, uh, the breathings the violet flame and of course the teachings which are so liberating and when you do come into contact with truth it's it's a very you know it frees you from some of the concerns in the in in a sort of lost world it, the materialistic world which is different from the material world by the way the materialistic world the world which is the only thing that's true is is material life and nothing else and that's what we live for and nothing else that is depressing. That that very concept is depressing, and it can get to all of us if we let it. And we have to make a sort of effort to break free from that. I think as best we can.
4: Yeah, I think um, you know everything. That I totally agree with everything you've said there. And just even you know what you what you, Alison, and you and me have shared about the practices. I think um, tells tells me and suddenly I can vouch for it, and listeners that those do work, and they can make a real difference in your life in terms of your inner transformation. And the way that you can serve, and that's the service we do, I think, is transformational as well. Um, in the way that it can help to raise you up and raise your consciousness, if that's what this listener is trying to do. And of course, as you've said, these teachings are so inspiring, and especially today when we're talking about a real roadmap, concrete roadmap to enlightenment that we can follow.
2: Yeah, I, 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 thanks for that. And I do think it's unforced effort is what it mm-hmm. is. If you wanted two words, I'd use those. You can't force it. But nor should you give up on it. You've got to stay at it. You've got to stay, even if you're looking at that white light. Allison was talking about it's unforced effort, keeping your concentration on it, bringing yourself back, but not forcing yourself.
4: Yeah, hmm. so I just had a thought. I'd bring in another comment here from um, <laughs> just Fallon, so saying, um, listening to the Super Show, it's so great with a new with a new side on the teachings and great wisdom. I'm always searching for older episodes to listen to. Thank you so much to the team. And please don't stop. And I think I. Uh, so, so <laughs> well,
2: thank you. Well, we need encouragement too. So I want to thank, <laughs> yeah. I want to thank that listener very, very much. And, and how do people write in to, 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 to you and to the show, Darren?
4: Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. So um, anyone can write to us at spiritualfreedom at richardlawrence.co.uk. Um, do share with us your stories, your comments, your questions. Um, we'd love to read them out on the show because they are you know, an opportunity to answer those for other people too who have the same questions, but also inspiring to hear the stories of of other people, um, things that have happened to them on the spiritual path that have helped them to continue, no doubt can be an inspiration for others as well.
2: Great. Well, thank you very much, Darren Ball, because Darren really is the mainstay of holding this show together and organising it, and we really do appreciate that. So thanks to you, Darren. There's no other announcements you have to make, I don't think, are there?
4: Well, I just, um, since uh, Alison's brought it up on the show, maybe we can give a quick qualif- clarification to someone here who's asked about uh, one of the practices. I think it might have been Alison, who had led it uh, on a previous show, said, mm-hmm. I've been reading Realising and Potential when doing the practice of the presence. The illustration shows that you're... Um left hands on the solar plexus, the right hand is on top of the left hand, so when I'm finished doing the practice, am I supposed to swipe my hand over the left the, my right hand over the left?
2: Yes, uh, if you're doing it at the end, if it's your final practice, yes, if you're going into something after it, obviously no, because you might be wanting to send energy out mm. and I have to leave it there because we are coming to the end of the show, so I want to thank all our guests. I want to thank uh, Yomi Odagua. And I also want to thank Alison Lawrence. And of course, I want to thank Darren Ball. And I want to thank all our listeners. Thank you all for supporting us and listening to the Spiritual Freedom Show. And I just want to remind you, as I always do at the end of every show, of that great aphorism by Mars Sector 6 in the third freedom, that service is the jewel in the rock of attainment.
1: Thank you.